Good morning. Good morning. Nice. Good morning to you. I'm happy to be here. I, for those of you who might not know me, I'm Kathy. I'm married to Andy. We've been here part of this um, fellowship for um, a long time. I don't remember. Early 90s. And uh, we have five kids. We have three that are here. Well, one's down in the nursery. Not that he's little, he's watching the kids. <laughs> so I'm so happy to be here. I wanted to let you know that Pastor Chris and Cameron are actually away uh, for uh, actually a retirement gathering for his brother-in-law who's retired from the Air Force as a chaplain. So uh, it was quite an event there in Maryland enjoying some really much-needed time away. Hmm? Uh, and uh, forgive me if I'm a little bit uh, sleepy and I lose track really Give me grace. I uh, was yesterday enjoying company with Jeff and Alyssa for most of the day into the wee hours of the morning. <laughs> so about 12.30 this morning, somebody entered their world. And that's all I can tell you other than they're healthy. So I'm sorry. I can't. I know everybody's like, what's the gender? I can't tell you. They won't let me. So... Apparently, they got to let grandma and grandpa know first. So if you want to know, they're right up here, fourth floor. <laughs> Don't tell them I sent you. <laughs> anyway, everybody's doing fine and thrilled. Jeff texted me this morning and told me he was smitten. He just, he didn't expect it. You know, he wasn't the one who was pregnant, but he's like, oh my gosh, there's a baby in my world. And so it's, it's really fun to watch new, new dads kind of respond to that. Anyway, so I'm here to share with you a little bit. I'd like to start really by uh, open up by sharing an audio clip, and I'm asking you all to spend, just pay very close attention to this. I'm going to ask you a question afterwards. Okay, go ahead and play it. Yes. 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 Okay. How many heard Laurel? How many heard something else? What'd you hear? Larry. <laughs> That's a new one. Um, how many heard Yanny? Yanny. Yeah, those of you who didn't hear Laurel, we're going to have prayer after the service. Healing prayer for your heart of hearing, because clearly you're not hearing that correctly. It's Laurel. That's all I get. My husband, my poor husband, he's going to need prayer because he says absolutely. It says yammy. All right. <laughs> all right. So anyway, that's a little fun. That's the uh, thing that's taken the nation by storm because we don't have enough going on. Anyway, uh, really what I'm here to share with you is something the Lord has laid on my heart for some months now, especially as we entered into 2018. I really kept feeling like the Lord was impressing upon me how to share somebody's burden, how to bear that. What does that look like? Now, obviously, um, I think we're all kind of familiar with the idea of bearing burdens and sharing them with one another, and that that's beneficial because it's good, you know. But I'll tell you the truth. He amped it up for me this year and, and continues. He continues to do it. Did I tell you how I spent my day yesterday? Anyway, it's just he keeps talking to me about this and helping me discover what that really means because I, I don't think we get it as much as deeply, as richly as he meant it. So I'm going to start the, the, um, the service off here in terms of the message. I'm going to start, start with a, a verse from Ecclesiastes chapter 4. And the section I'm in is between 9 and, and 12. And the scripture's up there on the on the wall for you, on the monitor. It says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who's alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. And it goes on to say, and a three-fold cord is not quickly broken. And uh, Back in the days when my husband and I got married, we used that scripture. Everybody used that scripture back in that day. Maybe they still do, but I don't see it as much. Basically, it would represent like me and him and the Lord. So that's three strands braided together will not be quickly broken. And that means when the, the Lord is the center of that relationship, 
there's strength to it, right? So, but, but what I felt like the Lord was saying about it was not just that you have like one BFF, but that you intentionally connect with another person in the name of Jesus, and there's something powerful and strong that happens that's much stronger than if either of you were alone or if either of you were together but without him. Like, that is a real crucial part of burden-bearing and burden-sharing. First, I'd like to talk about specifically what is the burden. I'd just like to kind of define that for us. Um, and I found that uh, what I'd like to use is called a pain scale. Uh, it's pretty p popular if you've ever been in a doctor's office or, or a hospital. They're going to ask you, you know, rate your pain on a scale of 1 to 10. And there are smiley faces that go with that, right? So it's like the the smiley face, and then a medium serious face, and then a sad face. And quite frankly, this is very applicable to labor as well. I used those images. So smiley face is active labor. Yes, I'm in labor. And then the serious face is, oh, this is labor. And then the transition face is, dear God. And I may or may not have seen that recently, that face. So, uh, <laughs> so on a burden scale or on, uh, on a pain scale, I'm going to call it a burden scale because I think burdens are like that too. So we have burdens that are what manageable burdens, right? They, they're, I lost, I forgot my keys in the car. You know, I locked them in there. Oh my gosh. Um, I have to get back up out of bed because the cat's still in the house. Uh, that kind of burden. Ugh. You know? Now, probably those are burdens that you could kind of suck it up and go take care of it, um, and that's good. I mean, if you have a friend, you know, who can help you with their, you know, locksmithing skills, knock yourself out. But really, I'm, that, those are manageable. So those going to be in the lower, the blue end there, zero to two kind of end. Then we have difficult burdens. I lost my job. The rent is due on Tuesday. I've been fighting with my husband, and it doesn't feel like it's getting any better. That's active labor. That's, ugh. And you kind of, you want to wake up and, 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 and have a discovery of the answer. Like, I, I don't know what to do. You want to find the treasure in the, you know, lottery or whatever. You're, you're just, you're burdened, and it's significant. It's not insignificant by any stretch. Uh, but then... That's the middle range, your green to yellow-orange range, and then the red range is the nearly impossible or impossible burden. My child is sick, and the doctors give us zero hope. I'm an addict, and no matter how much I try and pray and break it, it doesn't happen. My soul is broken, and I feel absolutely dead inside. That's way over there. What I want to make sure you understand that there is no burden that goes past 10 that cannot be managed, okay? So there is, there's not a truth of impossible, but it does feel impossible. If there was an impossible, Jesus died on the cross for that, okay? That's what I mean by there isn't an impossible. There is a really, really hard place, though, and many of us, I'm not even going to say every one of us, but many of us have been in that place, but I think all of us can relate to some measure, at least on a couple different uh, levels there. Even today, um, Ben shared some that some people are carrying some things. He felt that. That means the Lord spoke to him and said, there's some people in this room. Your father said to Ben, some, my son, my daughter feels heavy right now and isn't, is feeling distant from me and distant from my love. Could you tell them that I do love them and that there's nothing that will separate them? Like that's... That's a burden, if that's how you're feeling. What's important is that you not uh, compare one another and one another's burdens. So don't compare your burdens to Corey Ten Boom, who survived a Holocaust camp, and make your burden um, insignificant if it isn't insignificant. Like, I, I hear this a lot where they'll say, well, it's bad, but it, well, at least it's not as bad as I didn't get run over by a truck, you know, and it's like like them. And it's like, well, there's wisdom in saying, okay, other people have issues, but you can't um, beat yourself up because you have a burden or you're in a place of pain. Your pain is real, and God isn't looking at you as your, as your father saying, suck it up, look at her. 
That's not just not a thing, okay? That that's, would be an unloving father. It's, a, it's the same thing as if somebody fell off their bike when they were uh, 10 as opposed to somebody who fell off their back bike when they were 3. The three-year-old's going to really have a problem with it. And you know what you're going to do? You're going you're gonna to extend all the care and the grace. The 10-year-old, eh, put some leaves on it. You'll be fine. Right? And we just kind of change it according to where we're at in our journey. And we want to not judge one another for that. In the same way, we don't want to judge somebody like, well, they only have two kids that are sick. Try five. You know, it, 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 that's just not a comparison because he looks at us individually and uniquely in our place of burden. So if you can, don't do that. <laughs> uh, and if you're, you're struck at st struggling in that, um, really ask the Lord for some deliverance from that and, and realize that he's focused on you in your heart. And he cares. He really does. He knows the pain you're in is real pain. Recognize that some of your lesser, those lower scale burdens are probably opportunities for you to just faithfully trust God, to pray for him. Ultimately, he is teaching you whether it's a little burden or a big burden. He's ultimately teaching you to lean on him and to trust him for that, whether it's big or small, right? But we, ha we get a lot of practice with the smaller things. Dear God, I locked my keys in the car. Help me know what to do. And he will, that kind of thing. So what do we do with the sense or the weight of a burden that is simply too much for us to handle? Like it's just like it's not calling the locksmith. It's bigger than that. Psalm 55, 22, it's a very common scripture. And, and if you don't know it, if you haven't memorized it, it's a probably a good one to know. It's simple. Cast your burdens upon the Lord. He shall sustain you. He's telling you what to do. Cast your burden on the Lord. And it's the promise. He shall sustain you. It's pretty simple, straightforward, and you can bank on it. You can count on it. You can stand on it. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts in Christ Jesus. You're going to have hope when you give that anxiety and that burden to the Lord, right? Hebrews 6.19 says, we have this hope as an anchor for our soul. It's, it's strong and it's secure. So we have this hope. We cast our burden. We see him. There's my hope. Not the hope for the outcome as much as we have the hope in him that he'll figure out the outcome. We don't get to dictate to him as though we're a puppet master. We say, here's my burden. Um, here's my burden. You're my Lord. And he says, keep your eyes on me. I got this. That's our hope, okay? And that hope is secure. You want to hang on to that, that hope, especially because that, that anchor pulls you up out of despair and darkness. And if you feel like you're losing your hope, this is when we share our burden. Because sometimes it feels like we lose our hope, right? So we're going to talk about Burden sharing first. That's one side of this, this relationship we've got going. Um, and I, quite frankly, I don't think we do this very well. I actually think we probably bear one another's burdens more than we share our burdens with others. And so why do you think that is? Why, and this is a, a legit question I'm sending to you, why don't we share our burdens with one another? We don't want to burden them. Perfect. What else? Somebody say something different? Pride. Yep. One. This, you, you got it. I'm just going to skip over that section because you all said them. Just kidding. Number one, shame or embarrassment is what Sarah said. We have shame. We're ashamed of the fact that we're in debt and we use the credit card to the max. We're, we're ashamed of it. We're ashamed that we're still addicted to some substance. We're ashamed that this marriage isn't, isn't all that I thought it would be. We're ashamed that our ideal broke. We're ashamed that I didn't graduate from college. We're ashamed. You know, we're ashamed about the thing, the burden itself. We're embarrassed that we ha we're struggling with that. We're embarrassed that, that it is a struggle. Like, I, it shouldn't be a struggle. She's got a lot of faith for whatever, you know, um, finances to meet the bill. And I don't know why. I struggle so much. And you could become embarrassed about the fact that you... So shame is like a cave. Don't live in it. 
don't go in there. It's it, absolutely a ploy of the enemy. God is not in that at all. It, he's just not in it. So don't do it. Let, your, let that, that sin or that weakness or that failing or that burden or that struggle, let it be exposed to the light. And I'm saying do that first before the Lord, but also do it with someone else. When I say someone else, I'm saying do it with somebody else you trust that's got a good relationship, faith-filled relationship with Jesus. But do it, do it carefully, but do it. Don't hide in it. it. There's no virtue in that, and it doesn't ever end well when you try to, to, to keep it to yourself because you weren't made to do this on your own. We were made for relationship. You know, at the beginning, when, uh, when creation happened, God created this unity between him and his people and between his people, between man and woman. Sin came in, and you, we know that there was a division between him and man. We knew that sin had caused that separation, but you know what else happened? There was a separation between Adam and Eve, between man and man and woman in that case. They were blaming each other for what was going on. They had to start working hard separately, not together, to get the job done. And then their children, two of their sons, one killed the other. It, it, it was pretty bad when sin came into the world. Not only separation between God and man, but man and man. When Jesus died and reconciled us to himself, he rec reckoned us too. And sometimes this is harder because he's perfect and we can come into that knowing we're imperfect. We can come into that reconciliation. But when we reconcile this way, it's a little messy because you don't reconcile at the same pace as me. You don't do it in the same style as me. you got your own issues and weaknesses and struggles. And so do I. And it makes it kind of messy. And um, marriage is a really good example of that. When God puts two people together that aren't the same person, there's going to be a problem just simply because we're innately got our own selfish desires we've got our own way of doing things or whatever and through the course of the life and grace of God we can begin to give and take and learn about what it means to serve somebody else bear one another's burdens love one another with um, a sense of servant and sacrifice rather than uh, you're here for me which is absolutely human that's an absolute human thing but a redeemed human uh, loves like Jesus does. So we've got shame. We've got pride. Somebody mentioned pride. Yeah, absolutely. We don't want to share it simply because <laughs> you don't need to know my business. And I got this. I should got this. I mean, who would I be if I couldn't handle this burden? What would you, what would you think of me if I couldn't handle this burden? I'm just going to, I know what I'll do. I'll pay this credit card with that credit card. And then I'll, I'll, I got this. And I surely can't let you know that I don't got this and I got this. And so there's just this, mm, just this sense of I don't want you to see it and, and it's almost wrong for me to show it to you because what will you think of me? But also it's, it's right for me to figure this out. If I can handle finding somebody to get find my keys in the car, then I should be able to handle this too. And it's, again, you weren't made to do this alone. So... Sucking it up and getting the job done probably isn't the way that God designed this to be. He meant for us to be in relationship, reconciled. He meant that. And then the last thing that uh, Aubrey mentioned was concern for one another. And that's really bottom, bottom line. Sometimes it, it's just a genuine care. I've got a burden, but I know Laura's got a burden. I can't share my burden with her. She's burdened. Like that seems mean, doesn't it? But what I've discovered, even in the course of me carrying burdens, is that when somebody shares a burden with me, I begin to kind of go, God, I don't got it. And out of the grace of God, I'm able to minister back. And you know what happens? The Spirit of God ministers through me and then back to me. It just, it's the Word of God that comes up through me. It's not from my brain, gosh, aren't I awesome that I can figure this out for you. I don't know anything. And so by the Spirit of God, I'm able to minister to Laura in her burden. And somehow that ministers to me and mine. Maybe it's perspective. Maybe it's actual word of God. Maybe it's breakthrough. Like maybe there's breakthrough that happens in my life and the word of God comes out and it breaks it in me. I've definitely had that happen to me. I remember years ago, Annie and I were, I don't remember the circumstances, but I wasn't happy with them. I mean, really not happy with them. 
and I had I, I, I didn't I, I was I was spitting nails. He wasn't at home. I don't know I don't know why I was mad at him. I really don't. Thank God for a lack of you know failure of memory here. But <laughs> I really don't remember. But I was really mad and like um even like extending that forward like it's gonna be bad forever, you know. And I had a friend call me on the phone and she was struggling in her marriage and she was struggling if I could say more significantly than me. And I was like holding the phone away. Are you serious? Okay, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. There's no way. And But what happened is that he's like, listen to her and let it come up out of you. And like a fountain of life, it started coming out towards her. And I realized, oh my goodness, it felt like I was, it was like a fountain coming this way and splashing back on me. Because I was saying things I didn't even... I didn't even think about until that moment. I mean, I was like, wow, wow. And that's what the Lord does in those relationships. So don't be worried about sharing your burden with somebody else. On the other hand, be sensitive too. So you're not going to go take your burden to Nick, who's in the, you know, Nick and Liz were in the hospital taking care of Judah, who's sick, pretty sick right now. You know, he's recovering from heart surgery. You're not going to go, Nick, I just came to the hospital just to tell you something. If you could pray for me, please, because I left my keys in the car. You're not going to do it. And so you want to be sensitive about where people are at. Now, I have a, what you want to do is you want to uh, share that and you want to pray and ask God who it is that you can and should share it with. Sometimes there might be more than one person, and that's totally cool, too. I have a circle of friends I call my guardians, uh, and there are a handful of them. They're, they don't, they're not all here. There are a couple of that are here, and I married one, and I have one down in Pennsylvania. I work with a couple. My mother was the queen of my guardians. She'd passed away three years ago, and there was an emptiness inside of me. And my guardians are, are those who are faith-filled people who believe that God is bigger than the circumstance. And sometimes when I start losing sight of that, I will call or text one of them and they will, they will automatically, they can't help themselves because they're guardians. They can't help themselves. They got to start pouring into me truth. I, this just happened on Thursday. I had two of them in my office at the same time and they were beating up on me with their truth. And uh, it was awesome. <laughs> they do, they, they really do do it out of a, a really a sense of love and, and care. Anyways, um, so, so maybe the Lord has that for you, the people that you trust in your circle and, and people who can cover you in prayer or even just sit with you. But be honest with them, will you? Go deep. Don't let shame, fear, or pride keep you from being honest with one another. I think we do that a lot when we say, how you doing? Can I pray for you for anything? Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, pray that I can make a really good spaghetti sauce today. Like, we need to be honest. We need to get real with one another. If the person is, is sincere, and I choose to believe that you are, so honestly, if somebody asks me, and it doesn't matter who it is, it could be the waitress, how you doing today? Thank you for asking you know, I'm a little bit tired. I had a rough morning. But, uh, you know, it's nice that you asked me. Now, did she really care? I don't know. It doesn't really matter. I'm going to share my burden with her because she asked me, and I want her to take it seriously. The other side of this is of burden sharing is burden bearing. And you are the one, you burden bearers, are the one who helps the weaker friend carry their load. Again, you can do be on both sides and probably are. Galatians 6.2 commands us. It says, bear one another's burdens. But how do we do that? We do that with love, okay? Galatians 5.14 says, the whole law is summed up in this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, it sounds simple enough, except that naturally we're selfish people. And if you've read on Facebook anytime recently, you can see that that selfishness is just increasing as the days and weeks and years go by, right? I mean, really, just we're, we're really self-interested. And it's more and more about what I have to say and what I feel rather than a whole lot of listening. Um, but that's natural. That's innate. Like I said, that happened at the beginning. And without the redemptive love of Jesus that transforms our lives, that's the way we're going to go. It, it just is. We talk about boundaries and me time and discovering myself, and it's really all about me. 
And you know what? I'm going to tell you, it's secret. It's right in the culture, and you can pick it out if, if, you, if you listen for it. You can see it and hear it, and it sounds really good. Like, yeah, I need to build my dream because God wants that for me. And you know what? I'm not against dreams. I'm really not uh, partnering with God on that. But there is something a little bit messed up about that whole thing, and I'm sorry if I'm popping any balloons. No, I'm not. Be the, the end of that is dismal. It is, it's, it's just pointless and, and joyless, and it's yucky. And uh, there's so much more joy and freedom and happiness in saying, you know what? You own my future, and I'm yours, and I want to love like you love, so I'm going to give myself to these. And I would have discovered, in the, and I'm not, I, none of us are perfect at it, but as I've been on the journey of discovering this, more joy, more favor, more blessing, more awareness of who my father is and seeing how he partners with me to share his father heart with other people. Just it, it fills me with a sense of love too, not for just for them, but for him and his for me. And that's, it, it just sort of um, bubbles up from that place. Dietrich Bonhoeffer is a German pastor who was executed in 1945 as an order of Hitler just about a month before the end of World War II. He was held captive in a prison. They thought that uh, he had allegedly, and maybe it's, this is true, had uh, conspired to for the, uh, for the assassination of Hitler, which th that didn't happen. I'm not trying to mess up uh, history here. Uh, but he was charged with that, imprisoned. And while he was in prison, he wrote a book. He wrote a couple books, but he wrote a book called he was um, actually running an underground Bible school. And he wrote a book called Life Together. Talk about somebody who is a burden. And he was sharing something about um, making a differentiation between human love and spiritual love. And I was reading the book recently, and I just thought it was so... I had never read anything quite so clear as this to describe what the two, the two things are. So I'm going to read this. Um, the human love is dominated by selfishness. Only a new heart from God can love as God loves. That's what we have as a promise. Bonhoeffer's counsel is some of the most insightful I've read, so I'm going to read it. The words will be up there. Bear with me and, and listen. I, can't, I just can't say any better than this. Likewise, there is a human love of one's neighbor. Such passion is capable of prodigious sacrifices. Often it far surpasses genuine Christian love and fervent devotion and visible results. It speaks the Christian language with overwhelming and stirring eloquence, and it is what Paul is speaking of when he says, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, in other words, though I combine the utmost deeds of love with the utmost of devotion, and have not charity or love, it profits me nothing. Human love is directed to the other person for his own sake. Spiritual love loves him for Christ's sake. Therefore, human love seeks direct contact with the other person. It loves him not as a free person, but as one who binds it to himself. It wants to gain, to capture, by every means it uses force. It desires to be irresistible, to rule. Human love has little regard for truth. It makes the truth relative. Since nothing, not even the truth, must come between it and the beloved person. Human love desires the other person, his company, his answering love, but it does not serve him. On the contrary, it continues to desire, even when it seems to be serving. And we talk a lot. You can see a lot about love out there, the word love, but then it's like, is that human love? What is that love? Is it born out of our own weakness and our own, um, out of the curse almost of selfishness? Believe it or not, that sounds weird that you could be selfishly loving, but it, it's a real thing. It's but then spiritual love comes from Jesus Christ. It serves him alone. It knows that it has no immediate access to other persons. In other words, I can't, on my own, love this person to wholeness, even with the best of intentions. I have access to the heart of Christ, and he has access to the heart of my friend. Together in agreement, in that place of genuine love and unity, Jesus does the crazy. He loves the guts out of us, both of us. And he helps us to love one another. 
and to love him in return. So our motive must be love. And then what? Bearing someone's burden means more than a pat on the back and a quick prayer. Hey, sorry, dude, I'll pray for you. It's not some heartless religious function, something you do for a person or say to a person. It's deeper than that and hard to explain. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try. Proverbs 3.27 tells us to do good if it's within your power to do so. So if Laura, I'm sorry, I keep picking on you. If Laura's over here and she needs to pick up this keyboard, I, I own a keyboard similar to this at home, and I know how heavy it is. It's very heavy. And if she's picking it up, but I'm on my way to Jenny's office over here, and I see her and I say, hey, Laura, glad to see you. How you doing? Well, it's really hard. I think I strained something. What are you doing? I'm trying to move the keyboard out to my car. Oh, sorry, it's so hard, Laura. I'll pray for you. And walk into the, into the yeah, this, that, <laughs> that's not really love. You got to get in. You got to get in. You got to, and it's going to cause me to lose track of my agenda for a second while I come over here, and it's going to cause me to sweat. I might pull muscle on me, too. I don't know. I might have to call Pastor Jonathan from downstairs to come help me, too. But uh, we'll get it done, but we'll get it done together. And that's the design of bearing burdens. So that's a good picture of bearing burdens. So it is within my power to help her, so I should. Go ahead, take care of the need. If somebody says, I don't have food, give them food. If they don't have money, give them money. Um, if they don't have a friend, be a friend. If it's within your power to do it, the word says, go ahead and do it. It makes sense. If they need help moving a couch, do it. On the other hand, some stuff's really, really hard. And so some of it, you can't move the couch. So don't try to fix it. If you can't fix it, you can't fix it. It's okay for you to be helpless helping your friend because your reliance upon the power and the grace and the strength, the security of the hope that is in Christ is enough for you. Don't try to fix it. Recognize that the biggest burdens, like a friend grieving at a funeral, there is no couch to move. It may be that you sit with them for a while. Do you ever think about why it's hard for us to connect with somebody who's lost maybe a child or, or their spouse? Why that's so hard? Because we don't know what to say. And we're like, they probably don't want to talk. It's probably too painful. I don't really want to enter that. You've got to be honest with yourself. You're making it sound like it's for their sake. Honestly, it's the thing on their mind, and they honestly are wondering why you're not asking. It just doesn't make sense. In any other situation, you would ask why well, you're not asking. It's because we're uncomfortable in that situation, be partly because it, we, we just don't know what to do, and we can't fix it. So we feel helpless. We hate feeling helpless. We like to feel empowered, and then we hesitate stepping into the boat with the person, right? Because we don't have the answer, and if I don't have the answer, what help am I going to be? Guys, girls, you have the answer, <laughs> down in here. I promise you do. You just don't have the tangible thing. Maybe you don't even have the words, but presence is a big deal. Your presence is a big deal, which is my next point. Get in the boat. Be present. Commit to get in there, and I'm telling you, it's going to cost. Sitting with, listening to, let them talk. You know, Job, who went through a whole lot of stuff, he, he, he was... Um, given to, to a lot of uh, sorrow and burdens. How's that? And his friends came along, and they sat with him around a fire, and they felt bad. And you know what? They sat with him for a whole week without saying a thing. And that did more help for him than what they did after that, which was open their mouth and try to fix it. Fixing it messed it up. So sit with them. Don't worry about that. It's okay to be quiet. It's okay to say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry you are. Don't avoid the deep. Don't avoid the deeper questions. Don't be hindered by a fear of offending them. Well, I don't want to ask that personal question uh, because it might offend them. Don't worry about getting in their business. Go ahead and ask them. It's all right. If, I hope I'm not uh, causing you to feel awkward at all. I'm just wondering how you're doing since the loss of your husband. I actually uh, engaged with a, a, a widow this week and said exactly that. I I'm, I'm sorry, I and mean, I haven't talked to her since her husband passed. 
but it was a month ago, so it's a little of that awkward time. And it just is like, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. How are you doing? And she will tell you how much she's willing to share. But if you say it with a genuine question, I'm telling you, they don't have a, they're looking for somebody to trust. Take your hope in Christ and get in there. Ask the hard questions. How are you feeling really? Would you rather not talk about it? Is what would help you most as opposed to what can I do for you? Because it's a, still a little bit about us. What would help you most? And if they say, I just need to be alone, then you're going to say, I'm going to, I'll leave then, but I'm praying for you. And, and that happens sometimes. It really does. Speak the truth. Speak the truth in love. Now, the truth that they have inside, you're not preaching. I'm not talking about preaching. I'm not trying to, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about helping them remember what's true. So it's the simple truth. God is good. Nothing will separate you from the love of God. Things that they know, that they've lost sight of it. Just repeat that. That helps, that often helps me a lot. And, and, and when somebody is telling me that, you know, God is good all the time, they're like, I know you know this already. And it's like, yeah, but somewhere inside I forgot. So you saying it for the hundredth time actually does good. So don't ever stop doing that. Don't assume I'm going to be offended because, you, because I think you think I don't know this already. God, uh, remind me that God is bigger than my burden. And then pray. Obviously pray. My land. It isn't, you're not going to fix it, but I do know who has an answer. And I don't know what the outcome will be, but I know he has the answer for you and for your friend. And you're the one with the hope and the faith. While they come to you, you're hanging on to the anchor. You're hanging on to the hope that Jesus can do something, even in your helplessness, even if you can't figure out what to do for them. That's all right. Invite Jesus into that moment in space without you even, without them knowing it. You invite Jesus into that place. There's miracles there, I promise. There's miracles there. Oh, uh, hearts are touched. Lives are transformed. In that place where the intersection between people and the love of Jesus, something that is um, unseen, but we see the fruit of it, something happens and you, you step back and you go, well, what happened there? It was going this way, and suddenly it's hope-filled. And my perspective is different. And maybe my circumstances are different. Something happened. A, few, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Jonathan shared a uh, story from Mark chapter 1 about Jesus healing a leper. Something he said really um, struck me, and it's, it stayed with me since then. Uh, and I think I put the verse up there just as a reminder. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus was indignant or full of compassion, depending on which version you were reading, indignant or full of compassion. He reached out his hand and he touched the man. And he said, I am willing. And he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. So there's your your miracle. Immediately the the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. Now, Pastor Jonathan talked about the difference between, I mean, the, the fact that there were these two words that are pretty pretty polar. They're, they're not the same. Indignant and full of compassion. So he went to the Greek, and it talked about a move in the bowels, like something gut-wrenching that has no words, not even Greek words or English words around it. It's this, oh, that thing. When you have a burden and you feel that, oh, God, help, Jesus. Or when somebody else, your friend has that, and you feel that down here. Do you know what I mean? It's down deep. Jesus had that in this case. Whatever it was that moved him, caused him to reach out with, with his willing heart and free that man, clean that man, set him free. That's really hard to explain in words. Because, you know, I can only do this grunty noise here for you. <laughs> um, but I'm thinking about, like, that's a burden. He's got leprosy, and Jesus entered into that place. But something happened internally. It wasn't just, oh, okay, leprosy, all right, be healed. Is it good now? Like, it's just not like that. 
there's a entering into the agony of a lifetime of leprosy. He got in there and he went, oh. It's not that he didn't know what to do. He was, he was empathizing with him in a way that is foreign to a lot of us. He was getting in there. I would just want to read a story from uh, chapter John, um, verse 11. It's the story of Lazarus, okay? And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, this is Martha, saying, the teacher has come and is calling for you. As soon as she's heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. And Jesus had not yet come to town, but was in the place where Martha had met him. And the G Jews who were with her in that house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, she's going to the tomb to weep there. The tomb she's going to is the tomb of her brother, Lazarus, who had died. So lots of sadness. The, these are like best friends of Jesus. Mary, Martha, Lazarus, and Lazarus is dead. And Jesus is arriving on the scene, and they're wondering why he's late. And you could have saved him. You could have saved him. Then Mary came out where Jesus was and saw him, and she fell down and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Ah! He entered into the boat, and then he wept. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And, and that's where he wept. And the Jews said, see how he loved him. They saw something. <sighs> now he knew what was going to happen. He's going to resurrect Lazarus, but he knew it was for the glory of God, but he entered into the grief of his friends, and it was a lot. And he was like, oh, Father. Some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? And Jesus, again groaning himself, came to the tomb. And it was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there's a stench, for he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe you would see the glory of God? Then he took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes, said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, and, and they, that, they, excuse me, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And you know what happened? Lazarus came forth. He had, he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to him, Loose him, let him go. So I'm, I'm trying to paint a picture that is. I mean, though, especially if you were raised reading the Bible, that, that story can get just kind of cold and hard and callous, and you kind of see how it goes. Jesus wept, boo-hoo, moved on, uh, and there we go. And, and you know me, I, I, am, I just can't do that. i got to go back, and i got to... What, what was that like? Jesus is groaning. See, I think it's that same thing that's going on in the inside. And initially, he saw his friends weeping, and he got in the boat of their grief, and he said, oh. And then he got in the boat with Lazarus. He walked into death. And he went, ah! And power came into that bearing burden, that burden-bearing situation. Life came. Freedom came. Please understand that I think you can bear burdens without groaning. But sometimes, sometimes you groan, right? It's a quality of sharing something so heavy, so difficult, that it deeply moves you in the unexplained place, far past emotion. I ha I've had the, uh, a recent uh, experience where this happened, where I felt absolutely helpless with a friend who was struggling so profoundly, deeply. I even had a sense of her being in a cave, and I yeah, I had nothing. I felt helpless, absolutely helpless. And I'm like, God, I got nothing else. I don't have another thing. 
I don't have another plan. You're it. I don't have anything. And I really felt in that place, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And I, and I pray, can I pray for you? Jesus, come. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And you know what happened in that place, in that real, like, I was, I was weeping. In that place, in that place of heartache, of shared uh, heartache and carrying a burden together. Do you know who showed up? Jesus. Because that's what he does. And she sat up and she said, you know what? I see the light. I, s- I have life now. I have hope. I didn't have hope before, and now I have hope. And when I say didn't have hope before, I mean, like, didn't have hope. And now I have hope, and I have joy. And I'm looking at her like, because, wow, at the same time, the Lord is in, in my heart saying, this is what I mean by bearing burdens. This is what I mean. Get in there. Get in there. Feel it. It'll cost. It will To be effective at bearing a burden, we have to love like Jesus loved. He said, love one another as I have loved you. We were in a hopeless situation, separate from God for eternity, and he bore our burden so that that could be, so we could be reconciled and that be dealt with so that we don't carry that burden anymore. This is him. This is him who carries your burdens and your friends' burdens and your family's burdens. This is him. And if you want to enter into loving like Jesus loved, then you also are compelled to to nail your comfort to the cross. Nail your agenda to the cross, your rights, your time, your money, your presence, and certainly your heart. It means that you, when I say you literally aren't nailing anything to the cross because Jesus did that, but you know what I mean? You're just saying it's not about me. It's about you. And you love her. You love him. I'm in this. And watch. I'm guessing that everybody in this room is bearing a burden or two or ten. Your own as well as those friends and family. I'm supposing that some of you are feeling like you want to be more effective burden bearers too, right? You want to know this hope and love others more intentionally, more sacrificially, and you're willing to take the risk of pain, even heartbreak, and step into the boat of another, another's burden, even if it's hard. If you are right in the moment, specifically feeling that maybe God is calling you, if you would like to come into that place of loving like Christ love, loves in a, in, a, in a way you have maybe not experienced before. But you know what? I only have one life to live here on the earth, and I'm going to live it for you, and I want to love people in the name of Jesus, and I want to love like you love Jesus. If that's you, if you feel like I want to be um, a, a burden bearer, and you feel like specifically the Holy Spirit is touching your heart right now, could you just stand up? I'd like to pray for you. Mark, could you go ahead and, and play some? Father, I thank you for these uh, these ones here, Lord God, who have come before you and myself too, and we yield ourselves to you and say, Father, um, you know, I, it, it, it is a, it's a costly road. It is a costly consecration because we're saying it, it, it we're d- do what it takes. We're saying we want to get in the boat with those who grieve. And I know that that might break our hearts, and I know that's going to hurt. But we have you, and we're, not, we're unwilling, Father, for these people, not to our friends, our family, even strangers, to not see a demonstration of your love if it's even through this life, this surrendered, sacrificed life to you. As simple and weak and helpless as we are, Father, please use us in those places even today. Even this week, Father. Thank you, Lord. We receive that from you, Father. Receive that from you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. For those of you who are standing right now and are aware that God is touching you and, and is you know, coming into a transaction with you, agreeing with you for this, and you're, and you're willing to step out and, and bear another's burden, would you step out and come up here? I, I really only need about 20 people up here. Um, I am going to ask people who have burdens, so if you're also standing and you have a burden, um, feel free not to come forward, but to come forward for prayer, that's fine. So if you feel like the Lord right now wants you to step into bearing burdens, bearing a burden, come on forward. Thanks. I know this is a little bit risky, but I'm okay with it. Uh, now, guys, I know, and I'll, I speak to you guys up here too, I know that you're carrying things that feel bad. They feel overwhelmingly bad and hopeless without, you are way, if there could be an 11 on the burden scale, you're over there, you're feeling it and you don't know what to do and you feel alone, you feel alone in it. I'm asking you uh, if you would come forward and come in front of one of these people and uh, have them bear your burden with you. Be honest. Um, and take a look. You've got a lot of people who in the Jesus in Jesus' name want to share with you. They want to bear with you. They don't want you to do this alone. This is for real. So um, I'm going to ask you, those of you who have things like that you'd like prayer for, support, stand, somebody to stand with you on something, come forward and, ha and uh, stand with somebody here, and they're going to be happy to pray for you. Those of you who are up here already, there's a whole lot of you, maybe potentially more than back here. I know the same is true for you. you got burdens. So y it's fine to pair up and, and share burdens together. Absolutely. All right. That's the end of the service. We're just going to end with sharing and bearing burdens. Okay. Thanks for your attention and and your uh, your hearts.